swinging a line drive left field. Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. Three two. Championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets Podcast. Tonight, kind of covering a mix of Red Sox hot stove as well as a couple MLB-wide topics. With me tonight, Andrew Dwan, Charlie Smith. How are you, gentlemen? I'm good. Well, I'm, I'm actually, I don't think I could be more happy because now I know that there is absolutely no way that I will have to look at Stramon wearing a Red Sox uniform next year. <laughs> uh, yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. I said there's always the trade deadline. <laughs> Andrew's dream of uh, getting Stroman is not dead, apparently. Uh, I hope that never happens. I would be so mad. It'd be like getting David Price all over again. And I, we haven't even had like a good season without World, David Price. World Series champion David Price. Oh come on! Oh, God. you you're <laughs> oh god! I can't. I just we're gonna agree to disagree. It's one of those with this one. Hey, he did great in 2018. There's no arguing against that. He he showed up in the postseason. I'm messing around about this year, but 2018 he did what he was asked to do and. To me, that justified the contract. Oh, but, oh absolutely. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I absolutely agree. I mean, this year, he didn't lose a game. He was fantastic this year, too. And, <laughs> you know, this year, he also paid the salary of a lot of minor league baseball players. So, he, he's a good guy in my books. Terry, uh, want to chip in? Well, <laughs> I just, I think the, the Red Sox carried David Price through game five of the ACLS, ALCS, excuse me. And uh, it was only then that he started uh, doing good. He got lit up against the Yankees, walked the tightrope in game two of the ALCS. Cora kind of had to get him out of there before Marwin Gonzalez got another at-bat because he mangled Price in his earlier at-bat. And, uh, you know, so Price left the game, I think, in the fifth inning. And... Yeah, not good. And then game five, and then he was good against the Dodgers. Always had good numbers against them, so not too shocked there. But Andrew is right. He did get a ring with the Red Sox. I, I don't know if he got a <laughs> ring with the Dodgers, though, because um, he didn't play a game. Technically, sure. he shouldn't, but they might give him one anyway. Yeah, so anyway... uh a manager got hired this week. We kind of covered the hiring, but the press conference hadn't happened yet. Uh, Andrew, what were your thoughts on uh, the tone of the press conference and uh, what you thought of it? 
I thought it went great. I don't know how anyone could think otherwise, and I'd actually be curious to know what they wanted to hear from him. He was contrite. He owned everything, literally everything. And he's ready to move on and turn the page. And I think the organization is also ready as well. Um, from what I gathered from it, it didn't sound like Bloom was forced to do this. You would have been able to read his body language pretty clearly if he was. And, you know, if Sam Fold was this guy, but I thought he answered everything great. He answered one question that I think we all had regarding the, um, in-game decisions, whether they're going to base it off analytics or if it can be more of a, uh, old school kind of scouting and feel call. And, I'm I'm excited. He said he's talked to a lot of players. Players have uh, been excited to hear that he's back. So I'm happy. Um, as you all know, I was a huge, huge Alex Cora fan, and asking for him to come back. So I'm I'm pumped. I think this is gonna be great. I think we're gonna see other players take another step um, later on that night. I think it was Nesson that did like a another. Might have been a roundtable, and he was talking about how Verdugo was the MVP of the team, and I think Verdugo is going to look up to Cora. I think this is just a phenomenal move for the Red Sox. Charlie, so I'm, I will give him points. You know, on that uh, that you know around the horn, I'll give him two clicks. I'll give him two points for the way he handled that. Uh, that interview, I think that he and uh, Haim Bloom handled that incredibly professionally. Uh, I, I'm going to give two little clicks for for Bloom as well, also for not looking like a beginner's GM. Um, there, there are two things that stand out in my uh, in my memory about that entire interview, and one of them was how highly he spoke about other people that were also involved with the situation. Um, other players that, you know, deserve to have the chance to manage. And he spoke highly about that, but did not disclose what the conversations entailed. He's very private in that sense. And I respect that. The other thing that I'm feeling a little bit warmer about is in regards to the fact that uh, when they asked him about the situation with Houston and, you know, how you know he apologized for it and why he didn't do it in Boston, his response was simply, I didn't feel like we needed to do it. Like he just he knew that he had a, a better uh, cream of the crop team in Boston than he had in Houston. Um, I know that ultimately we need to turn the page. I'm still a little, uh, you know, it still hurts because I don't want people to come back and be like, oh, the Red Sox are winning again. They're. They're, you know, 42 and 22, and it's because they're cheating again. I just, I don't want to have to deal with that situation all over again. Um, and I'm also, I'm also in that boat where it looks dirty, where it literally just looks like, and we talked about this the last time out, just take a seat for a year. We'll hit you back up as soon as Ron and the, the whole dumpster fire, you know, comes into play. So, Yes, we're going to move and turn up, turn the page. As far as options available, that's the best option available. There, there was no one better than 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 Cora. So let's just see how twenty twenty one goes. As I've said over and over again, I mean, I'm I'm not going to get too much into it after this episode because they've made their decision. 
I have to live with it and I'm not going to make it my shtick to, you know, to bash the manager, but wasn't my choice. Um, I thought he did come across as very humble throughout the um, press conference. He seemed to have genuine remorse for his actions in Houston. Um, The one line that did resonate with me was when Cora said he goes, and this isn't word for word, but he, he said something like, I don't want this to be a comeback story. I don't want it to be about that. You know, I, you know, he deserves all the criticism and, and so, you know, he, he just wants to, you know, just kind of work his way through it and, you know, just get back to the grind, so to speak. So, you know, I, I think that speaks to the accountability, uh, that he did take. Um, as far as Bloom, not wanting him, I'll kind of back off of that a little bit because I didn't think initially he was Bloom's first choice. I thought Bloom wanted his own guy, a Kevin Cash type guy. I was listening on WEI and one of them, it might have been Merloni, I think, had a source that you know, had knowledge of Bloom and Brian O'Halloran's trip to Puerto Rico to, uh, you know, have a conversation with Alex. And the source said that the interview got a little heated to the point where Alex Cora said to Hein Bloom, he's like, do you trust me? And Bloom said, yes, Alex, I trust you. So, Apparently, Bloom was kind of grilling him down there, you know, trying to probably, I can only assume, you know, gauge his level of, you know, remorse and, you know, trying to make sure he really was accountable. And, um, you know, Cora apparently was very forthcoming the whole time and, and, you know, wanted to have the trust of Bloom. And and Cora said, according to the source, if you don't trust me, then, you know, you need to hire someone else. So apparently, you know, by the end of it, you know, everything was, was good. And, you know, seemingly by the time Bloom and O'Hara left Puerto Rico, you know, Cora was essentially the guy. So... Um, <laughs> well, this should be uh, really easy to get down to the bottom of who's the source, because how many people are on this trip? Might as well just name the guy's name. Y- you talking Bloom or O'Halloran or Cora? Just whoever Marloni got the story from, you know. But I'm I'm happy to hear that. I Cora's not a yes man. I don't, we don't want a yes man here. The, the yes men never work out. And I'm glad that Cora has a little bit of fire in his belly, even though he he. He, he slimmed down, by the way. He was talking about how he was working out this whole time. So I'm glad that he is pushing back on being a yes man and the do you trust me kind of attitude. So we're not going to be taking out a starter in the sixth inning in the World Series at 73 pitches. I hope not. I just want to add something about the analytics. Now, Yeah, I've known, I've said the whole time, you know, that Cora is going to manage this team. You know, because that's the type of guy he is, and I'm sure he's gonna he's gonna listen to the analytics guys, and 
you know, use the info a lot of the time, but he is going to use the eye test that I, I keep hearing about. Um, but, you know, not so much with the Red Sox, but with the Rays and, and Dodgers and perhaps some other, you know, analytical teams, I really do believe that, you know, the front office and the analytics departments are making, you know, the decisions uh, even in game. Now, Bloom said, you know, Cash made the decision and he knows Cash well enough to know that he made the decision and he knows how that 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 team is run and whatnot. But even if even if it wasn't Cash the analytics department is never going to take accountability. They're never, they're never going to say that it's not the manager because the very second they do that, all the criticism and all the accountability and all the bullets go flying into the front office and they could never, you know, that, that wouldn't be survivable long-term for them. You know, typically, you know, a, a GM gets to fire probably one manager over his tenure. And by the time the second manager needs to get fired, usually the GM gets fired anyway, you know, because obviously things aren't going well. But I just, you're never going to see a, a front office say, yeah, our analytics guys are, are making the decisions. They, it, it was on them because Snell came out, you know, just for example. You're never going to see that. It's never happened, and it's never going to happen in the future. The manager will always take the bullets no matter what. And Yeah, it, the manager will take the bullets, but I do think that would be an easy way for the front office to take heat off their manager. They're uh, – Manager of the year, actually. So, I, you know, they could extend him that lifeline if they wanted to. But I, I do, at the end of the day, think that was Cash's decision and uh, his completely in whatever the pregame notes said, he followed to a T. Yeah, well, look at the Dave Roberts situation from the Red Sox World Series. Not starting Bellinger or Muncie in games one and two because lefties were on the mound. And they ended up coming into the game, you know, around the seventh inning. So that would have been the third or fourth at bat. Like, to me, <laughs> there's no way that's a Roberts thing. That came from upstairs. I don't. Yeah, but I also think he has to sign off on it. And anyone worth their salt will push back. Um, I do think that Dave Roberts has had some questionable decisions um since taking over that Dodgers team and usually they're bullpen related but um maybe he got cut off at the knees a little bit there but I think if he pushed back that they might have uh caved in there and I, I actually think Cash had that with the with the Rays I think he would have had final say yeah I mean if Cash if that wasn't an analytics decision, it was it was a flawed systemic thing, you know, within the organization. You know, just oh, yeah. just automatically, you know, he comes out and because that's how they do business. I just I don't know. 
I, I what you know, I do yeah, know is that little card in your hat says you have to do this doesn't mean you have to. Um, you have to have the balls at the end of the day to make your call and live with it, and not just be like, "Well, that little uh, index card I had uh, said take him out if there's two lefties co- or two righties coming up." Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, we do not have to worry about it with the Red Sox, I guess. So that's you know, at the end yep. of the day, I guess that's all we care about. Yep. Uh, Charlie, uh, any any thoughts on this? We lose Charlie. I have a text message. So. There it is. Oh, here we go. Well, I've been. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, I think uh, both of you hit, hit on all of the points that um, I was I was going to briefly touch on. And sometimes when when someone's already said it, I don't need to interject. So I'm I'm good. Well, all right. Um, a couple of things that got brought up. Maybe we could weigh in on. Um. Cora says, you know, based on, you know, sitting on the couch all year, he was looking at a lot of other teams and they want to get more dynamic, you know, and more athletic, you know, whether that's in the outfield, you know, running down, you know, balls or whatever, plays on the bases. So I'm wondering if that's going to, you know, also lead to more small ball type stuff and, I'm just not sure that, you know, the type of players that, you know, they're going to be looking for. Verdugo's a great well, – go ahead. I was going to say, you know, this is going to be a completely different team because, yeah, sure, you can say that you're bringing on manager of the year, Alex Cora, back again and whatnot. Yes, he's apologetic and he's sorry for what he's doing and he brought it on himself. He's spending time at home. He mentioned, like, I'm, I'm spending time at home for all the wrong reasons and for that I want to say sorry. And, you know, it's my fault that this happened. Like, yes, okay, cool. But you're going to have to be thinking outside the box. You don't have the same high caliber, high octane, both rotation and offense that you had just two years ago, three years ago. This is a completely different team. You're not going to have three of the starters in your rotation. They're gone, uh, at least to start the season. Um, Your offense, one of your best players is gone arguably one of the best players in baseball, probably the second best player in all of baseball, gone. You had an outfield that was consistently hitting and doing damage. One of them only got four hits all season. So you, you've got to replace a lot of players on that team with, we don't know what. We have a lot of rookies that came up, and we got to see them, and some of them had the Michael Chavis effect where they hit the ball like crazy at the start of the season and then struck out like a ton. Um but, I mean, this is going to be a season where they play a lot of small ball because you don't have all of the major power hitters that you once did again. I'm curious to see what they do because, you know, this team now, you're going to have to add another – you're going to have to get at least one more bat in there. You need it. You have to. We definitely need a righty bat. Like I said in the last show, we never really replaced Mookie in that regard. Um, so hopefully they'll be looking and at that. Bring her. Yeah, well, we're gonna we'll get to some of those qualifying offer guys based on some Bloom comments here in a second, but um, I just find it interesting. I mean, Cora, you know, apparently, you know, wants to, you know, kind of stick with the times, you know, and and evolve a little bit. So, um, Andrew, your thoughts on any of that? 
Just the lineup moving forward or just like Core's mindset? His mindset. I think he's just going to take another step forward. I don't think he's going to try to rewrite the alphabet or anything here. Um, I think he's going to count on another year of development from Devers, uh, a year older in Bogarts, a comeback year from JD, which I imagine will happen. I have no reason to believe it won't. Um, ben and Tendi, I think we're going to find out pretty quickly in spring training if he's got it back. Uh, I think we're going to have a new new right side of the infield that he's not used to. Obviously, Dahlbeck is probably uh, lightly penciled in at first and free agent to be at second. Um, I don't think it's going to be crazy because we, truthfully, we probably had a playoff offense last year when everything was clicking. Uh, it was more so all the arms that were a problem. And I think we're going to get back to normal and a few, not just a few, several free agent signings. I don't think we have to reinvent the wheel here, guys. I, I think we're just going to go about our business. And um, I think 500 is the floor and whatever the moves are, you just go up from there. Barring injury. Wait, I'm sorry. Hold on. Wait a minute. Andrew, did you say, I feel like I'm, this feels like a deja vu conversation I had with Alan uh with al you think that we're, we're a 500 team uh, uh, why not uh i said barring injury i i can't imagine why they wouldn't be did you what was your opinion of last year's team barring injury what do you think they were going to be i thought they were going to be terrible last year i from the get-go I, we can go back in our chats i thought we were going to be horrendous i was looking i was pissed we didn't lose more quite frankly um, well, of course. there was, there was of course. negative money to spend going into the off season. You lost a manager. You had a new GM. You lost Mookie. I didn't think there. I, I was shocked they won as many games as they did. To be honest, so I called. Have, I called a twenty-three and thirty-seven final, and everyone gave me shit for it. They literally. I distinctly remember everybody gave me crap for it. Al was like, "Okay, I'm gonna have you listen." Oh my god, I did. This is not a five hundred team. I think. Well, as constituted, no, but they don't have – they're going to sign about four different starting pitchers. They're going to sign probably three bullpen arms. They have a, something like $27 million to work with just next year alone. They're going to be able to sign a few people here. And there's going to be guys dropped, uh, cut due to salary issues from other teams, and we have the number four waiver spot. And Hyam Bloom is going to have – He's going to be able to have a field day with uh, mid-level, mid-tier guys. They're, they're going to have to overspend to just be average. But what's overspending in 2021 when guys like Brad Hand with no doubt or any other non-effed up 2020 years are getting released for $10 bucks? That's that's a bargain of a contract, and no one even claimed him. The, the we've we saw Robbie Ray got more than probably anyone expected at eight million, but Toronto is going to be your main competition with free agents that aren't top of the line draft pick uh, attached to guys. So they're going to be able to fill in the holes, and I think this twenty twenty one team is going to look a lot different than the 2022 team. I think we're looking at a lot of one-year deals, kind of patching things together. It's going to be a Frankenstein kind of year here, but I think it's going to be effective. I had a... See, I don't... 
winning 77 games before the uh, the season got canceled. So, you know, not a great season. I, and it would have been worse than that had uh, had yeah. we played all 162. But, um, but this year, I think we're definitely a wild card team, I would say. And I think we could win 90. I really do. If if we're treading water by the time Sale comes back and then Sale comes back and is, you know, dominant again, oh, man, we're, that'll just be yeah. like acquiring a major arm at the trade deadline, except Absolutely. we have him anyway. <laughs> yeah, so. Right. so. I think. Wait if, a minute. Wait a minute. You know, now, yeah. if, if the Red Sox are down and out, if they 2020 it again, and do like a, a, a an encore performance of that absolute shite of a season. Uh, uh, do you even are you wait, are you saying they they are you saying in that scenario they punt the off season or shit goes haywire and all the guys they signed didn't work out? Any any ugly combination, you know, well, any combination think- of 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 twenty twenty one turning into twenty twenty two point oh. Do you even bring back Chris Sale this season at all? I mean, yeah, you, it's just a rehab essentially. You got to get him facing live batters, but I don't think you can. I don't think a bad scenario happens if it's a combination of the two. I think the floor is eighty-six wins if they try this offseason. If they punt the offseason, which I can't imagine they would, and I don't think Cora would even came back if they uh, if they told him, "Hey, you know what? We're not signing anyone." Um, Hey, here's uh, Matt Hall. I don't think he would have came back. Please, oh, please don't. So I, I think, I think that they're gonna patch together an 86 win team, and I think that's the floor. If they aren't saying, which they shouldn't say, let's just uh, kick it to 2022. I, I mean, I, I was called crazy for calling 2020 a, a lost season. 2021 is going to be no question a bunch of one year BS deals. For players that you know, it's it's going to look like the 2013 the- off season. What's up? The 2013 off season. Oh, you're you're asking me if I'm going to compare it to that? Well, no, I'm saying that was a patch together, just signed guys at short term deals. Yeah, with the the bell horns and who else? I mean, who- no, 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 2013, not 2003. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was when Napoli was over. But Napoli wasn't a one-year deal. Napoli, Victorino. Yeah, Vic- Napoli was a two-year deal. Th- three, actually. Yeah, yeah. two years because they he had that hip thing that they kind of messed with his contract with, similar right. with with JD. So like Thirty-nine million, something like that. Well, uh, initially it, it was three years, thirty-nine million, and then I think the third year turned into like a vesting option or whatever because of the injury. Yeah, and he was right. he so that, was there, there was no injury, but they spotted something in air, air quotes. So that wasn't a bunch of one-year deals. I mean, literally, I'm looking at 2021. Whatever, just put the team out there. It is what it is. 2022, you start off fresh. 2022, he might have a strike, so I don't think they're gonna be. Uh, I don't think they're gonna be pushing to put um, kick it to 2022. So then, why bother? Why bother 2021? Because you got to make money. If you have to have. You have to make money. If you're there's gonna be no. There's gonna be what like five thousand fans in the seats. I think they said the other night or something like that. You they. If Nesson doesn't get eyes 
they're screwed. Absolutely, because they're down 58% in just one year. Yeah, they have to be at least competitive, at least competitive. I'm not saying they have to go all in and sign like three guys that were getting a qualifying offer, but they have to be at bare minimum knocking on that final wild card spot, entertaining through mid-September. If they fall apart and miss the playoffs, whatever, the playoffs are on Fox anyways, so that doesn't matter. Um, all that money, I think, gets shared. So they have to have eyes on the sets for 145 games. Yeah, we'll absolutely. See. So let, we'll let's see. get into that now, actually. Um, according to WEEI today, Bloom was in a Zoom conference with, I guess, a lot of the beat writers. And he was quoted as saying that they could potentially target players with qualifying offers attached to them. Now, in previous shows, including, you know, the last several, we've been, our expectations is that they're not going to touch those guys with a 10-foot pole because, you know, we just lost our second-round draft pick, so why compromise, you know, the next draft or the one after that? And you're going to lose a half a million in international slot money, which is huge. So... I was a little surprised to to hear Bloom say that. Now, maybe it's posturing, and he, he doesn't really have much intention of doing it. But, but the idea that they might, I think, speaks to the intent that they, they do plan on competing, whether they sign some of these guys or not. So... Uh. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I think that's more lip service than anything. Uh, not only to appease the fans, where you can be like, you know what, we tried, we were in it till the end, blah, 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 blah. We hear it all the time. Um, and I also think it's a favor to the agents, the Scott Boris's of the world, where you're not just going to come out and be like, hey, we're out on this guy, because that, that, no, that does you no solids down the road. Um, they're not going to – I just – don't see a scenario where they're signing any of these players unless mandated by Henry because of uh, ratings. But I don't think any of these guys are going to get you um, the boost that another year would have gotten you like a Manny Machado or Bryce Harper or one of those names. Charlie. Well, I, I, here's the thing. Like, I'm I'm going to be uh, very blatantly honest. I'm incredibly happy. Again, I already mentioned it. We didn't get Stroman. I don't want any part of that. I want no shares. I'm paying someone else to take those shares. I don't want to touch that. Ga- Gaussman was another one that they, uh, the Giants got him, and I don't. I mean, yes, he he could potentially turn back the clock and pitch like he did in Baltimore, but that's been like how many years? So those are the two players that everyone was was talking about getting like extra, you know. These are the two people that actually accepted their offers. I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked the Mets extended one to, to Marcus Truman. Like, I, I don't understand what they're doing. They're just throwing money away. They're just literally throwing it away because I don't think Stroman's worth it. Um, makes our job a little bit easier. It, it's one less person they need to consider. But uh, there are a lot of players that didn't get, you know, proper contracts that were just floated, um, you know, qualifying offers I'm actually kind of shocked, and one of them in particular isn't on the uh, the pitching side. It's on the offensive side, and it's kind of like disrespectful, the fact that he didn't get it, and I hope we actually touch up on that in a little bit. 
Who's that? DJ LeMayhew did not. He got a qualifying offer. That man deserved to get paid. No, well, well, he, he still could. You have, that's just a formality, though. Yeah, that's just they shouldn't have even given him that. They should have given him. They should have given him a contract. Forget the BS. Give well, him a proper no, contract. Still, I mean, they still can, but I, I, it's you. You just wouldn't want to risk losing the asset. Well, it's hard though with with Lemayhew because he's going to command at least a high annual salary. The number of years will be debatable. But they've got to replace Tanaka. They have to replace Paxton. You know, they still need possibly Judge to get an extension, even though that's looking kind of stupid, you know, with each passing year. Um, And then you've got to take into account they still have Stanton on the books for another seven. Garrett Cole on the books at huge money for another eight. And I'm probably missing a player. Oh, Glaber is, you know, potentially a Torres. Long, yeah, a long-term Glaber is the one that actually should be moving over to second. Uh, we saw his defense for a full year at short, and it wasn't pretty. So, it wasn't I good. mean, I think Lemayhew is going to be in the AL East next year, but I think it might be north of the border or wherever they're going to put the Blue Jays. Well, that's uh, what I want to get into, actually. Yeah, the yeah. Blue Jays. And um, I just jotted down how uh, MLB Trade Rumors had it. We were kind of working off of their list last episode. Um, but as I read these off, just pick one player that might be realistic for the Red Sox based on Bloom's comments. Now, okay. you know, we're saying it's unlikely, but if there's going to be one, let's let's try to pinpoint that. So there's four of them on here, and I'll give the exact MLB trade rumors projections. Uh, George Springer, five years, $125 million, so that's $25 million per. They have him going to the White Sox. Trevor Bauer, four I years. Like Four years at 128, so that's 32 million per. They have him slated to go to the Dodgers. DJ LeMahieu, four years, 68 million. I'm terrible at math. What's that? 17 mil per year uh, to the to yeah, the, 17 to the Blue Jays, as yeah. Andrew just said. And then finally, JT Real Muto, five years, 125 million. So basically, the same contract as Springer at 25 per and he could potentially go to the Mets which I can kind of see um so I guess if Bloom really goes after one of those guys which one makes the most sense to me I mean I think you guys and I it would be beating a dead horse at this point you know I don't want any of them but if he had to get one and ownership was like sign one of these guys um I think it's Springer I think he has a checkered injury history, but maybe you can hide him in left field after one more season. Uh, Cause I think Ben Attendee's probably only got one more year on the books here. Uh, and then you figure out center field after that. And if he needs to DH after JD is gone after next year or the year after, um, I, I just think there's easier ways to absorb the blow. If the contract didn't work out, I could not, disagree more i think that george springer would be a horrible move to come to boston i don't want to spend another hundred million dollars on a player that's going to sit on the bench well here's the thing we already have a dh and he's playing third base right now that is what i think very well happen it could happen we don't know because if fumbles 
can't start figuring out how to throw to first base more effectively, that's a problem. And I love Rafael Devers. I love him. I really do. But it's not going to cut it. Then He's going to get paid. Your first and your third baseman. Dalbuck was a third baseman by trade. Out of that list of players, that is not the first option on that list. The first option on that list, if we're going to open up the pocketbook, let's open up the pocketbook. Let's get Bauer in here. Now, he already had his little thing with the, the airport where some random fan went up to him and said, yeah, I want a podcast. I would like to ask you a couple questions, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I think if we're going to do it, let's get the best option on that, uh, on that list. And it's DJ LeMahieu, great, doesn't fit. Not going to be not going to be perfect. We already have a shortstop. Thank you very much. As far as second baseman goes, I think we have one coming up, possibly by the end of next year. There really isn't a spot for him. Uh, Springer, yeah, he's going to hit a lot of home runs when he's healthy. And the problem is he hits them in bunches, and then he doesn't hit at all. It's like Chris Davis last year, two years ago, destroyed the ball for like the month of of April and May. And then June through September, I think he had like two home runs. Like I just, I he, there's too much uh, Russian roulette when it comes to George Springer. Like in my mind, I, if there's it's a, it's a Russian roulette with Springer, which Trevor Bauer are you getting? Again, the Cy Young candidate this year, the guy with the five ERA the year before, the guy with the two point two ERA the year before that, or the one with the five ERA before that. <laughs> I, I think I think you're gonna get Trevor Bauer, the guy that now has clicked. Now it's all making sense. Um, he had one of the arguably the best manager that the Red Sox have had in I don't know how many decades, and it's not even close. Terry Wait. Francona was able to make everything look good. But and with Francona, he had an ERA in the fours. Here's the thing. What was his ERA the last year that he was in Cleveland before he ended up getting traded in that trade year? It was stupid. It was dumb. It was like it was over two barely. It was yeah, dumb. But the three years before that, you had a four five five, a four two six, a four one nine. So early twenties, early twenties. The guy was a strikeout machine. He wasn't. He wasn't going for for low ERA. The guy was throwing. He's blistering pitches. And then pitches. a four eight and a five two nine. You're. I'm not concerned about Trevor Bauer. I'm not. I'm concerned about throwing twenty five million at a guy who's probably gonna. You know. Do you do you want a, a Giancarlo Stanton bat in the lineup? Do you want someone to hit four home runs for the season and then we'll see you in September maybe? No, I don't I don't want that. I would that, rather take the chance on Bauer than I would on on Springer. If you, you put, Okay, say I'm all right, say neither of those guys lives up to their contract. Who can you hide better for the next 4 years? You you're not going to hide Bauer for for 4 years. You're not going to hide him for 3. Me. You're not going to need to. How, how do you know that? Because the Red Sox free agent pitching signings have been so good. Uh, I'm just saying that if, you, if you're asking me for my opinion, that's that's what I would do. George Springer, unfortunately, I just I don't trust. I just don't. Because here's the thing. He can be great. And then he can be absolutely just non-existent. You're and literally that's the problem. describing Bauer. I'm not describing for thirty-two Bauer, million a year for thirty starts, and there's oh, that. I just think if if both of those went to shit, both of those guys, you can hide a twenty-five million dollar bat like the Red Sox have done the last five or six years with Sandoval and Hanley. But good luck hiding 
a guy that you've penciled in next four years to be your number one starter. He's not going to be the number one starter in the rotation. You're not getting Homer Bailey money. You're not getting Homer Bailey. Do do you you remember when Homer Bailey signed his mega contract? Do you know what he did? Terry, can you give your projection right there really quick again? The, what I think or what the list. uh, No, no, no. The, what the number we were going based off, it was what four years at 128. Yeah. No, four years at, uh, Oh wait. Yeah, yeah, four years at one twenty eight. Yep, you That's got it. Yep. Thirty two million a year. Yep. What? 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 What's confusing about that? I just said, how are you going to hide that? That's if if you're paying a guy thirty two million dollars a year and he's not your number one starter, what are you doing? He's going to be up there with Chris. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Chris Sale when he's locked on? Or would you have Trevor Bauer locked on? I mean, okay, then you have one and one A if all things are right. I'm yes, just saying. Absolutely. I agree. I agree with what's that. What's harder? Yes. What's easier to hide? A, f- a bust of a free agent number one pitcher salary or a bust of a free agent bat? Why would you assume that Trevor Bauer is going to bust when he comes to Why Boston? Why would you assume George Springer is going to bust? What's it? Because we've already had how much experience with him? In I mean, you can make the, the, the case for both. That's Here's what I'm the saying. Thing. A 4.0 ERA in Boston will still get you 15 plus wins. Oh, wins Rick Porcello. Here's about Rick wins Porcello. Nowadays. Rick Porcello was able to get a ridiculous number of wins with an ERA that was disgusting. Well, luckily we don't have a uh, a management team that gives a damn about wins. I think we all know that wins are stupid. Um, the wins in RBIs are kind of for the dinosaurs now. I just. Okay. I was just saying that it's easier to if because let's let's not sugarcoat it. The Red Sox free agent signings have been checkered as of late. So oh, of course, uh, absolutely agree. What I was we saying, agree. We agree on that. He had this. I'm saying if both busted, I think I personally think, and I'd be interested here, take Terry, that you can hide a bust bat better than a guy that you're penciling in as your number one starter. Well, that's the thing is you're, you're talking about you're already talking about the negative on the contract. Like I'm, I can't, we can't afford to do that again. If we're talking about getting a player, like I'm already talking about a 2021 is not going to be a great year. I'm saying that 2022 moving forward. I mean, you're you're talking a strike, whatever. Uh, well, then if 2021 is going to be a bad year, why do we want to sign a arm that's going to age a year before it's worth having? All right, guys, let me in. Let me in. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so the beat writers, George Springer is popular with the beat writers. His, his name's been brought up a lot as a potential target. I don't like it very much. I, I think it's could be Ellsbury-esque, you know, no, like, I agree. like I what the terrible. Yankees got. I think hiding him at DH might not necessarily be an option depending on what they do with Devers. I mean, if they come out tomorrow and say Devers is the long-term third base guy, then okay, it's possible. But when Casas comes up, then you got to do something with Dahlbeck. Maybe Dahlbeck gets traded, though. So, I mean, who knows? But, there, you know, slotting him as a potential DH in the future would definitely complicate things. Um you got JT Real Muto, who isn't being talked about at all, and we don't really know how Bloom values catchers. And so I could see that maybe being an under-the-radar signing uh, for Bloom. Uh, I mean, he, he's basically the best catcher in MLB. So 
um, you know, that would probably put Vasquez on the trade block. I wouldn't mind seeing DJ LeMayhew, but that complicates things as well because we got such a log jam, as I was just pointing out with Devers in the infield. But that would be like pouring gasoline on the rivalry, you know, with the Yankees. All I see every day on on Twitter is Yankees fans begging for, you know, the re-signing of LeMayhew, and whatever it takes. Like, he's... He's their number one guy. They all want him. So for us to get him, that would be the ultimate Johnny Damon 2006 revenge, I would say. Uh, but the guy I think it's going to be, if if we do sign anybody off this list, you know, is going to be Trevor Bauer. Because Bloom has said, you know, he's going to be very aggressive with pitching. And that's that's the guy you get aggressive with. Now... There's going to be a bidding war over him. Probably not so much the other three we mentioned. Um, you know, a lot of teams are going to be looking for an upgrade. And if it's only going to be four or five years, I still think it's going to end up being at least six. But if I'm wrong and it's lower than that, that's going to put more teams in play and, you know, drive up at least the annual value. If Bloom does sign him. I totally get what Andrew's saying with the inconsistencies. You know, he's up and down from year to year. He was a busted prospect for a while, including going into the 2016 postseason. He had an ERA north of four that year. Finally took his first big step forward in 2017. But the thing you can take comfort in with Bauer is his durability. Extremely durable, that's not going to be a concern, unlike Chris Sale. So you're going to have some reassurance that way. I'm going to trust that Dave Bush is going to keep him, you know, as a top of the rotation guy. You know, if, you know, he, he goes on a slump where two or three starts in a row, you know, giving up four or five runs, you know, I, I'm just going to trust that they can rein him in. But I think that's probably the one they would end up signing. And, and, I, and here's, here's the other thing, too. Here's the other thing, too, about Bauer. Bauer's a little bit younger, too. Bauer is not 30 yet. He's going to be 30 when the season starts. Though. He'll be 30 when the season starts. He won't be 32 like George Springer, <laughs> who is, you know, like, well, here's the thing. He's like, be 31. This, he just turned 31, actually. Did Okay. Yeah. All right. You know what? doesn't change my opinion. I still I'm not changing my, my tune at all. I think I Springer Springer represents the the worst long-term value uh you know o- over the course of 5 years, but we'll see. I don't think you're out, I don't think you're outbidding the Dodgers and I don't think you're outbidding the Mets for him. No, the Mets are dumb. True. Wow. Actually, that's that's a great segue. Um It's true. Steve well, How do we know the Mets are dumb? You just gave qualifying offers to Marcus Stroman. What are you doing? Because why would you, you? Come on, Marcus Stroman did nothing last Stroman. year. Stroman, it's true, but no, he didn't do anything last year because he opted out and he's fully rehabbed from an injury. As uh, Terrence is going to go into, they have brand new ownership. Who the guy is a genius. Who Steve Cohen? You you absolutely offer uh, 
number one through you know, he could be a number two starter, the 18.9 for one year. What do you got to lose? And if he declined it and he signed with someone else, you just got yourself a first round pick. Yeah, they weren't You're necessarily not. planning on Strowman definitely taking it, you know, because he's young enough to command at least a three or four year deal with, you know, all yeah. the teams that will be in play for Bauer. But it's just for one year. It gives them a little bit of insurance. I think Syndergaard is on a similar schedule as Chris Sale, so he won't be ready right away. Um, you know, so Strowman, you know, slots in there with um, ugh, the ace there, DeGrom and uh, Mats and whoever else they're going to trot out there. But one-year deal, I mean, it's it's not going to... It's not going to hurt them. Kill them. But what we're getting at here, though, Steve Cohen, the Mets are going to start spending like the Yankees here. You know, they might not go way over the the luxury tax, but they're going to be a a top five or six payroll in, in Major League Baseball, and they're not very well situated right now to to start spending. I mean, ideally, you're going to have a decent farm with some homegrown talent to kind of put those high priced players around and, and have a balanced team. Derek Jeter, for instance, with the Marlins, you know, went in there, blew it up and, and rebuilt it from the ground up, you know, a much more patient approach. You're not going to see that with, with Cohen. So, you know, maybe in the short run, things don't get a whole lot better. They could, but um, but this is a guy that's going to do everything in his power to, to keep this team competitive and, you know, not be a perennial loser. So, you know, and I still get a kick out of the fact that, you know, A-Rod doesn't get to own the team because I was definitely all in uh, on anybody but him. But just really interesting. And they brought back Sandy Alderson, so he's essentially going to, you know, be the, the general manager again. And uh, Cohen's going to be writing the checks. But Alderson is definitely, you know, one of the more respected guys in, in Major League Baseball. So, um, you know, probably has a good relationship with a lot of other teams' front offices. So thoughts on Cohen? Uh, great move for the Mets. I think their fans should be happy. You got a hometown guy. Um, he doesn't. He's not looking at this to be the, his cash cow. The guy literally could not work. And I don't know how many great, great, greats you have to throw before the last grandchild. Uh, before that kid is going to have to work in the future. Um, he he doesn't need the money. He's in this to win this. It, this is a fan's dream. You know, if we could be like, oh, some you know 15 plus billionaire from south boston bought the red sox be like oh holy shit we're gonna win the next hundred world series you know Uh, this this is great he's gonna put the proper people in charge which the wilpons never did they were idiots tripping over themselves constantly i mean they were jokes and let me just swing this back to a boston standpoint this is great you know the mets are gonna try to take this city of new york you know they're gonna try to get the back page of the post um they're gonna want all the attention and this is gonna 
trigger the Yankees to make some really kind of knee-jerk moves. And I think one of them is going to come from Cleveland, and I think that's going to be a shortstop who's great. But I think we're going to see them get back into the late 90s, early 2000s of uh, being forced to throw money around at an absurd rate in order to get the headlines and get chances at a championship. So I'm I'm happy as a Sox fan that Cohen's there. I'm happy for Mets fans. This is great. They're going to have some competency in their life. Uh, really excited to see what happens with them. And I think that they're probably going to get real moto. I think that's almost a foregone conclusion at this point. And we'll see if it results in a guy like Trevor Bauer too. Charlie. Uh, it's interesting. Like I remember doing a little bit of research on Cohen. Like, yeah, he's not a saint. Like guy's not perfect. He's made some mistakes. He got in trouble for insider trading back in the day, like 10 years ago or so. So uh, people don't forget. And, and that was 10 years ago. Our, our situation hasn't been that long. It's going to be interesting. The Mets have got to know as a Red Sox fan. Yeah, sure. I'm absolutely pumped. I'm super excited that the Mets are now more relevant because they have a guy who's willing to basically do what the, the Brooklyn Nets ownership did. Let's just accept a ridiculous trade that was, that benefited the Celtics. Uh, but it, it's, it's, it's going to be like that where you can spend a lot of money. That doesn't guarantee you winning the Dodgers. Yes, they were able to do it. But for years, the Yankees have always been big spenders. And in the last 20 years, it has translated to just one title. So if the Mets' goal is to win one title in 20 years, they found their owner. It could take a while. I mean, I guess guess a good step, you know, that would give a lot of Mets fans – you know, more optimism is if they go out and they get some heavyweights for their front office, you know, someone with a proven track record of, of building farm systems, you know, like a, a Ben Sherrington type guy. Um, obviously he's with the pirates, so, you know, it, it won't be him, but just to use him as an example, um, you know, then at that point, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be really impressed. But Andrew does make a great point in that Cohen and, and Alderson are probably going to make Brian Cashman's life hell, you know, because they're going to be competing for the same same free agents, and that's going to probably result in a lot of stupid signings by the Yankees. And I think Cashman, you're, you started to finally hear the chirps this past you know, fall, you know, of him getting fired. Like, fans are getting sick of him, you know, getting terrible value on some of his signings. And, you know, it. it I'm sure they're frustrated with Chapman, you know, giving up the, the walk-offs to, to end their postseason. But, but New York, the Yankees are a mess right now. And they've got some bad contracts on their books. And so I think the last thing they needed, like Andrew said, is, you know, a guy right across town in Queens, you know, making some some huge moves that the Yankees themselves hope to make. 
Yeah, and I'm not saying that this whole Cohen thing is going to be uh, money-based, um, just opening the wallet. I think it has to do with more of the research and development, the advanced scouting. Uh, we saw throughout baseball a lot of good, good um, people were let go because of layoffs. And guess who the layoffs didn't – or the – you know, the pandemic didn't affect guys like Steve Cohen that, you know, they just got richer off of this. So he, they have an opportunity to really put a strong office together. And I think he'll take advantage of it. I think he's a smart guy and he sees an opportunity and this is it. And I think they're going to be able to kind of vault themselves up to the top of that NL East. Maybe it's not next year. Maybe it's not the year after that, but give this guy time and resources and watch, watch that rocket ship take off. Yeah, and you never know. I mean, the Braves, you know, have been in control of the division for a little while. The Phillies are, you know, they're going through a transition in their front office because Matt Klintak apparently stepped down but is still with the organization. you got to kind of question that organization at this point, you know, as far as the front office goes. But <laughs> Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the Nationals could be back. I've never been a big Mike Rizzo guy, but they did finally put together a good postseason, uh, you know, in 2019. So can't count out. Yeah, that, the... was, that, that organization always seemed like uh, if you don't win this year, we're going to fire everyone. And it just happened to work out that one year. But they need to figure, uh, figure out some youth in the pitching department there because Scherzer is not getting any younger. And Strasburg, I mean, they just signed him long term. I'm not sure how smart that yeah. was. Yeah, that that yeah, that's that one back like a Kawhi Leonard. You rest him every other game, kind of thing. Maybe start him like 16 games a year and make a whole new trend of resting guys. But <laughs> I don't know how you. Was... I love Strasburg, but I don't know how that arm's gonna hold up. Unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. I know, man. It's that's so sad because I, you know, we all know who his agent was. And uh, you knew what he was going to do, and he gashed Washington. That was brutal. I mean, you feel for him, too, because he's actually he's a fun guy. Uh, nobody on the team dislikes him. You know, if, if he was hated, I'd be like, eh, you know, all right. You know, you still don't wish ill on him. But, I mean, Strauss has never had, you know, I don't think anyone's ever said anything bad about him. Correct me if I'm wrong. Same with Scherzer. I love Scherzer. I, I think Scherzer I, me too. Could... I'm devastated we didn't sign him. Devastated. Yeah. We we have a chance next year if we don't sign Bauer to thirty two million. <laughs> yeah, no, I, he's I, not going to get thirty million. He's not going to get thirty million. He's get two years, like thirty six or something like that. I yeah. think Scherzer has a good two or three years left anyway. So um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a short term signing, but I just want to see those eyes in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was. I thought be I had fun. something to say on uh, uh, Strasburg, but I forgot. But anyway, so I guess we'll wrap the show on one final topic. Um, speaking of terrible organizations, the White Sox have uh, kind of got themselves in a controversy right now with Tony La Russa. A lot of people had problems just with the fact that he's 76, not really you know, experienced with the present day, you know, analytical data wars that we're having, you know, between all the teams. So kind of a questionable signing that way. And then uh, comes out uh, late this past week that 
He uh, has been charged with a DUI, which apparently took place in February, but the charges didn't go through because there was a clerical error, something with the wrong county getting filed in or whatever. But uh, Larusa apparently was uh, over the limit, hit a curb the wrong way, which uh, messed up his vehicle. Police officer came up to the uh, vehicle, you know, asked him what happened and um, apparently he was on the phone at the time with the Angels executive, not paying much attention to the cop until he was forced to get off his phone. And uh, the police officer, you know, put him through a sobriety test, failed the test. Larusa tried to play, hey, look at me, look at this ring, I'm a Hall of Famer. And uh, still got stuffed into the back of the police cruiser. And uh, the optics are now a lot worse, but the White Sox are standing by Larusa. have come out and said he's not in any danger of being fired. They're reserving comments for until when the case gets resolved. Apparently there's a court date for December 8th, so it's not, you know, too soon. Um, but <laughs> thoughts on Larusa? Hey, at least he was awake for this one, right? <laughs> he was. Well, Jesus. He sound asleep in the middle of the intersection. No, screw Tony LaRusa. He's a piece of shit. He never should have got this job. I feel bad for all the people in the White Sox organization. Um, I said this like when it would seem like a joke when the rumors came out that he might have been a candidate. I said in our group chat, I was like, oh, my God, this would be an absolute disaster. The guy... He has a very checkered past when it comes to uh to race. Let's just leave it at that. Um, he ha- he hated the Tatis bat uh, swinging at the three zero count. Um, what did we hear from Cora the other day when, during the press conference? I very reached out to X many players. Uh, Tim Anderson the other day said he still hasn't heard from Larusa. He's still waiting for him to call. This guy is so out of touch. I, personally, I'm. I'm stoked he got hired because I, I fear the hell out of the White Sox. But this was just a pure ownership, um, selfish hiring. I feel bad for Rick Hahn. I think he should probably pull a, him or me in the next couple couple days because Reinsdorf is a goddamn dinosaur. He only hired him because what he said he regretted firing him 34 years ago. Are you kidding me? Larusa has no idea where he is when he's sober. So how he's supposed to make it to the ballpark 81 times a year when he's not like on the team bus i don't i don't know how you expect that to happen this is absolutely idiotic when you have this many personalities in a, such a fun young team in chicago uh this sucks for their fans i hope for their sake he gets axed uh, i thought cora would have been the perfect manager for them and this just blows for them i hope sandy alomar is their coach come uh, a week from now andrew i uh, god darn it man i i just think what you say is absolutely mental but not from the american side <laughs> from the british side because i absolutely agree with you on this i thought that alex core was going to be going to the south side of chicago i thought that's where he was going to be in a i thought that's where he was going to go um it didn't end up working out and it worked out for us really well. I was very vocal about this. I was shocked about the Tony LaRusso signing because this is someone who's 50 years older than some of his players. And like you mentioned, he hasn't communicated with some of them. It just doesn't make any sense. The fact that I, I don't feel bad for Chicago. I don't. And the reason for that being is they knew about it before they signed him. And the day or day after 
it was like a day after or two days after. Then it became public knowledge. You can't all of a sudden do an about face and say, oh, we didn't know. You guys already knew. But I, only I, their owner, their, only their owner was on board with the signing, though. There, no one else in the organization wanted it except for Reinsdorf. If you know, he's, here's the he's thing. Crap, too. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. I think that bringing somebody back on who really has no business. I mean, maybe maybe he he has a good awareness piece that he needs to maybe tweak and edit. But how he handled that entire situation completely inappropriate. As a seventy, how old is he? Seventy three? Like seventy six? Yeah. Whatever. You're seventy-something years old. You're supposed to be the exemplary role model for your younger team, and you're telling a police officer, "See my ring." Oh, I'm a Hall of Fame manager. Who gives a shit? Who like, wears what the ring? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, how Tuesday? How, like, how dumb is that? Like, he his excuse was, "Oh, I, I did what I said because I thought you was gonna get me out of here." He almost blew like a point one, dude. What? First off, first off, what he said was, "I only had one glass of wine." That's just bullshit. No one blows a point nine or point one, a point oh nine or point one uh, after one glass of wine, regardless. One glass bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, one glass bottle. Sure, <laughs> that that made absolutely no sense. So I. Part of me does not feel bad for for the White Sox for, for this move. Yeah, yes, it's yes, it was one person's final decision to get that done. But if if people don't stand up to the man and say, yeah, no, this isn't appropriate, this couldn't have been. I mean, this is just stupid at this point. Like I remember when he came to Boston, I was like, oh, that's cool. Would have been nice if this happened years ago. Not really helping us now though. So when he left, I was like, okay, cool, sweet. Now we're not paying somebody else who. Probably isn't doing anything anyways. But your your comments coming out to a police officer by saying, I'm a Hall of Fame manager, I'm legit. And he kept on calling him, like, uh, from what I was reading, kept on calling the police officer brother. Like, yeah, brother. Like, <laughs> I'm curious, like, how he did it. Was that like a Hulk Hogan brother? Or, like, what was he, like, I, I don't know. I don't care anymore. It's not my problem. It's not our problem. It's their problem to deal with. But you know what? To save face... What looks worse, holding on to him, knowing that you gave a job to someone who had a DUI, or firing him before he even got to do one game as a manager? What looks worse? I think it looks a lot better if you fire him. I really do. I think so, too. I I agree. Terry, Terry, I think... It's it's an easy out. It's an easy out. If if the owner... You know, was able to read the optics of it with no stubbornness whatsoever. It's an easy out, and they've got plenty of time. I mean, we're not even through November yet to to get someone. It's not necessarily going to be a superstar type, you know, manager at this point, but they could do it. But but just imagine this, just hypothetically, just say Cora didn't get hired and Renicky was staying on for next year and maybe one more year after that. And by that point, you've got probably Groom up. You've got Mata up. You still got Sale, Hauk, and uh, you know maybe Trevor Bauer. I don't know, but you're going to have a, a very good pitching rotation. You're going to have Casas up. You're going to have Duran in the outfield. You're you're going to be all set throughout your lineup. 
and the team is just ready to go, ready to win a title. And then Renicky gets fired, and they hire Larusa. <laughs> Could you imagine? You know, because that's where the White Sox are at. You know, they're they're ready to start winning championships. You know, with guys like Giolito, Anderson. Um, you know, the prospect we traded there, Eloy Jimenez, they, they've got a very talented team and, you know, so it's just hard to Jerry imagine. Brian Stewart. He gave La Russa a second chance yet would not give Phil Jackson a guaranteed contract after he won three more rings with them. Just let that sink in. That That's an absolute joke. <laughs> like, he, yeah, he, when when you bring that up, that's... not know how to hire coaches. He's an idiot. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's been so long. That's been that's that's twenty five years. When was that? It was 90, 96, 97, 98 that they won three in a row? No, no, no. When did they win the three? No, because ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand was the Lakers three. When was it? It was ninety four, ninety five, or ninety four, ninety five, ninety six. I think ninety four. He was playing baseball. Because that's when Terry Francona was the minor league manager for the Cubby, for the White Sox. Was there baseball in '94? N- well, not that, that was, was the abbreviated season, '95. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah I, don't I, up off the, I don't know off the top of my head. I thought it was strike here was '94. Yeah, yeah, '94. Because that was the year that I, I absolutely cried because Jeff Bagwell went off. Uh, it was in '96, seven and eight is when they got the there uh, is second back. Uh, Back to back to back. That's what it was. And nine, oh, that's that's what I was messing up. So it was 96 through 98. Yeah, because I knew 94, 95, he wasn't there. Uh, that, oh, God, I completely forgot about that. 22 years. Oh, my God. That's so bad. Yeah, so that's Jar- Jerry Reinsdorf and his amazing coaching decisions. So I, I don't feel bad for the White Sox. I feel bad for their fans, Is I guess, is how I'd sum that up. Right. One more, just just since we're on fire here. Uh, Jeffrey Lunau is suing his former team, the Houston Astros, for $22 million, which would have been the balance of his contract, which apparently he had just signed not long before he'd been fired, maybe a year or so before. And the reason why this is interesting to me is it's not necessarily the scandal with the trash cans that's preventing him from getting a job a month or so before that uh, scandal dropped. There was another scandal with his assistant GM, Brandon Taubman, where he was taunting yeah. some female yeah. photographers uh, who were, you know, um, you know, they were anti domestic violence activists as well. And Taubman was, was apparently shouting at them, thank goodness we signed Roberto Ozuna, or traded for him, actually. Thank goodness we traded for Roberto Ozuna, who, as a lot of people know, was suspended on a DV, uh, you know, incident. So, so he get, so that incident happens, and then Jeffrey Lunau and the Astros have an investigation, an internal one, and... They cleared Taubman. They said, yeah, we didn't find anything. And the media scrutiny just got so intense that Lunau's hand got forced and he had to fire Taubman. 
And another report came out shortly after that about how toxic the Astros front office was and how nobody liked working there. It, it was a very hostile environment. And I guarantee you that is one of the biggest reasons Jeffrey Lunau will never work in Major League Baseball again, at least as a general manager. Yeah. If he wasn't blackballed before this, he definitely is now. But honestly, this is a genius move by him because they're going to absolutely settle because MLB is not going to want anything this anything of this to come to light in court because obviously we'll have reports coming out of there. So they're going to come up with – it's going to go to arbitration. They're going to reach a settlement. He's going to get a few more million dollars off of this. He can go reti- retire Lakeside and um, just live out – the rest of his uh, non-baseball life, if you may, enjoying other hobbies other than going to the ballpark. So good move by him. He secured one more payday. That's actually a good point. Uh, I was listening to, it was uh, a Houston station, but it was like recorded online or something. And if they do go to court, excuse me, my throat's... (laughs) If they do go to court, um, all the emails and text messages are going to become public. And Manfred's not going to want a lot of that to be public because there was probably more shady stuff that he was (laughs) willing to gloss over and not have public. And they're dealing with it right now with with the Yankees letter from Manfred in the DraftKings lawsuit that supposedly would you know, do a lot of damage to the Yankees reputation or whatever. We're going to get a ruling on that in December um, because there's an appeal process going on with it. But this would be another. I'm so excited. Yeah. I cannot wait for that. Oh my God. That's going to be literally when they put that on ESPN, put that shit on pay-per-view and you will see that 58% downcline on the way back up. Everybody wants to see this. Yeah. So it just, with the the Yankees one that you're talking about, I'm just wondering how complicit the the national writers will be in not reporting it. You know, will they do Manfred a solid and you know just basically agree to not cover it? But so we'll see when that happens. Hopefully the the fan base won't you know stand for that and will kind of force you know, some of that information to come out. But but it's it's an interesting situation with Lou now, so he could very well settle. And, you know, he's his own worst enemy because he is a brilliant baseball executive. He got great value out of most of his trades. You know, I thought the Grinky trade was brilliant because they got the, the Diamondbacks to eat money. They didn't really give up a ton for Verlander who was pitching well and you know, he, he's having Tommy John, but that's on his extension. You know, that's not on the, you know, the original contract that the Astros traded for and just a really smart baseball guy who, who built, you know, a juggernaut, you know, and I know they tanked and everything, but even while they were good, the, the moves he was making, you know, end season, were were phenomenal and um because you know he's extremely toxic he's 
you know, his reputation is going to have a cloud over it, and he's never going to get a chance at redemption like Hench, like Cora, and, you know, maybe some other people in the front office. Final thoughts? Yeah, I, I, he... After they settle, we're never going to hear his name again. He'll probably want to do a couple interviews if he's ever heard him for money, um, where he's going to come up with some, you know, bogus clickbaity headlines. But yeah, uh, he he's done. He knew it. So good on him for getting one last payday. Uh, if you know, I would have done the same thing if I was smart enough, and I was put in that situation as well. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's it's going to be interesting whatever way it goes down because, like you already mentioned, there was a lot of stuff that got swept under the rug. And I remember that when that that was one of the most tweeted things that the Houston Astros had a guy that said, "Thank God we kept we got Azuna. Thank God we got Azuna." During that situation, it was an absolute nightmare. But how much of it got swept under the rug? You know that these people know stuff, and they all signed NDAs. No one can talk about it. And if this stuff gets made public, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to probably put another cloud again over baseball. So it's, oh God, you know, like you, you think that the Houston stuff is behind us. It, it really isn't. Like not when this is still happening. So, yeah, sure, good on him for getting paid. But this has, the, this has a chance of getting really ugly all over again. So I don't know, man. Well, hopefully – you know, if this is another bad winter, especially with the Yankees situation with with their sealed uh, court letter, you know, maybe maybe the owners move on from Manfred and they they decide not to vote him in because it's it's up to them. You know, if if he stays on as commissioner, and that always gets decided when you know the new CBA is approved. So yeah. I, th- I think they let him be the punching bag for the next couple of years, and then he he's done. Yeah, they then they chuck him out to the you know with the trash. I think they'll use him. I think they'll absolutely use him and abuse him. And when he takes all the punches, they'll give him a bonus and say, "Hey, thanks for taking one on the chin." Right. <laughs> someone that actually you know de- is deserving of it. And it's you know kind of crazy that the Red Sox tried to kind of hold a coup at the end of uh, when he was getting elected to that position they wanted to throw i think it was lucino or was it, it no, was either warner or lucino was yeah. it warner I think? yeah yeah uh, into was his position up. and was like wait tom warner but i guess hey we see why now <laughs> yeah absolutely well, all right i guess we'll wrap on that we'll just kind of keep an eye on uh what may happen this week if a major development happens of course we'll come back on to discuss it uh and that you know could include maybe some uh league-wide developments uh as well so we'll uh just kind of like i said keep an eye on it and go from there right on all right take care Best guys, guys. Get signings <laughs> see you guys episode 232 in the books hope you all enjoyed it happy to be talking baseball inevitably though you know we're gonna get into those dark weeks of winter january february but for now we'll take what we can get so have a good rest of your week take care